Hello and welcome to an equity shot where we break from our traditional format to talk about a timely news story. Today, Jenny Crichton and I are trying to figure out what the heck is up with Elliott Management and their recent moves on SoftBank along with our favorite social platform, Twitter. If you are not aware of what's going on, we are going to break it down for you, tell you why you should care and what's going to happen. Danny, on the on the, the breaking point of this really is that Twitter is under the hammer with Elliott Management. Now, for people who don't know what that means, break it down for us. Yeah, so Elliott Management is a activist hedge fund. So they invest in publicly traded, almost always publicly traded, although they are moving more and more into PE style deals. But publicly traded stocks, they usually buy a couple percentage points of the company. And then they send a nasty note around saying, gee, this company is a bunch of fucking morons. There needs to be replacements at the executive level. There needs to be new board members. And they basically usually win. Elliott's among the most successful of the activist investors. And so it was big news Friday afternoon, pretty late in the news cycle, when we found out through some sources that Elliott has invested in Twitter, demanding the resignation or at least uh, a reduced role for CEO Jack Dorsey, as well as proposed four new directors to the company's board. This is a lot. This is not a small amount of change. And Jack Dorsey is a controversial figure. But, you know, inside of the technology world, he's, I want to say, better regarded than you might think. And so to see someone kind of come in here, it feels like they're kicking over the China a little bit and breaking the dishes. But Elliot, though, has a, has a long history of doing activist stuff. I mean, most famously, they've been involved with, well, not most famously, but Samsung, eBay, SoftBank, and now Twitter. So they have a long history of doing this. But they tend to pick more mature companies, Danny. And that's because they're not really interested in the, the faster companies. Like, why do they go after the bigger more mature public shops. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we don't cover Elliott or a lot of the activist hedge funds very much on TechCrunch, mostly because they don't focus on early stage, late stage private companies. One, because they can't trade. In those cases, the CEO gets to choose who's on the cap table, and they're not going to choose Elliott <laughs> if they have a choice. And then number two is, obviously, with fast-growing companies, most investors aren't looking to make management changes at companies that are you know growing really rapidly. And so um, what you're seeing, I think, in the tech industry, which is sort of typical of eBay, a little bit with Twitter in the last uh, cycle, is it's kind Companies that are mature. I mean, they're not growing as fast as they were. There's questions about expenses. There's questions about business strategy. And and now the activist hedge funds are saying, look, there's this whole space called technology that might be really fertile territory for us to do kind of our, our bag of tricks. Okay, but let's narrow down to just Twitter uh, for, for now. So a couple of things about Twitter that people might not know. Their revenue has been going up. They had a pretty good Q4. They topped a billion dollars in revenue. Their monetizable DAUs, I believe, uh, were at an all-time high. And so Twitter is coming off of a good Q4 after a pretty bad Q3, uh, just to give you kind of a, a temporal context of where we are. And it has a very unconventional CEO structure. Uh, Jack Dorsey has two jobs, if you didn't know. He's the CEO of Twitter, the social company, and also the CEO of Square, payments company. And if I recall my notes correctly, he's a bigger financial stake in Square than Twitter. So he's splitting his time between these two things. And then also he announced he's going to be living uh, in Africa for three to six months this year. And that wasn't super well received by everybody because it is, um, again, non-traditional for a CEO of two American companies uh, to leave and go to a different continent for between one and two quarters. So you can kind of get a feel for why an activist investor you know, might think, well, here's a place to unlock some value. Companies doing well, gap profitability, cash generation. Let's show up. Let's shake up the management. Let's kick the, you know, the tires on this thing and make it better. I, I can kind of see the point, Danny, to be clear. I don't know. What do you think? No, absolutely. I think um, it, what's crazy is it's happening now. I mean, Twitter is hardly like an unknown quantity uh, on the marketplace. Like it's been around for years. So so why after one of the stronger quarters in Twitter's history is suddenly an activist hedge fund coming in? And, and my guess is, is one of two things. One is the, the news around Jack Dorsey is sort of a shot in the foot. I mean, it, it really is not only are you doing two companies, but now you're doing it from two continents or kind of one <laughs> continent, which is not the main continent that you right. probably should be focused on. And, and two is my guess is that there's more 
more information that they know, you know, private information, confidential information that they have a feeling is coming out either this quarter or the rest of this year. And so they're sort of prepping for that kind of bad information by getting their stake ahead of time. But what we don't have from them yet is their kind of official letter detailing all of their complaints and beats, is my understanding. That's going to come out, I presume, soon, but we haven't gotten to kind of pick through their logic step by step. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So that's what I'm really excited to read, because until we hear that, we're talking about the big bullet points, but we're not sure about the nuance behind them. So we might be missing something kind of important. Twitter, though, man, I mean, if you've ever tracked earnings from public companies, Twitter has been a, a constant roller coaster. I mean, the stock will jump 20% up one quarter and drop 20% down the other quarter. It has been historically inconsistent, although better in the last couple of years. This is going to be a big thing to try to reform. This isn't like a SaaS business that you can kind of just like cut some, you know, cut some expenses and drive some gross margin and see the, you know, cash generation improve. This is an advertising-based company with a U.S. majority revenue. I mean, this is it's a very specific beast. I'm curious if Elliot will actually have the sort of success they want in reforming the the business fundamentals of the company if they get the executive changes they're shooting for. One of the best quotes I, I read somewhere was basically like, do you really want Jack Dorsey to be full-time at Twitter from a, like a Twitter employee? They were like, actually, the best thing that might ever happen to this company is that he's over in Africa and doing his own thing and just focus on expansion. So, I mean, it remains to be seen. What, what I think is actually crazy, though, is, is Twitter's going to have arguably a, a really strong year between the 2020 election yep. uh, with COVID-19, the coronavirus, um, obviously a lot of news following on, on Twitter this year all around the world. So, I mean, several major, major storylines which tend to work in, in Twitter's favor in terms of advertising, although I'm not sure I would want to advertise next to coronavirus unless I was coronavirus. Uh, I think you would not want to advertise next to coronavirus if you were Corona beer, unless I'm totally mistaken how much coronavirus is better or worse than Corona beer. It's been a while since I've had Corona. It might be worse than I recall. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to talk about SoftBank though because you know this is not Elliot's Elliot Management's first foray into tech. Recently, they recently showed up in Japan inside of SoftBank, you know, demanding governance changes and improvements to how SoftBank manages its money and its investments. And that came, unlike with Twitter, at a high point, at a low point for SoftBank, because they recently have had a couple of very tough quarters detailing a loss stemming from WeWork, a lot of public mistakes, a lot of dirt kicked on them. Like there was that huge Wall Street Journal story we talked about, I think it was last week, about the infighting and the bickering and the backstabbing going on there. That makes more sense to me. If you don't know a company has a kind of two metrics that you can use to value it. One is it like the inherent value of all of its parts. And then there's its current market cap. And there's different ways you can calculate those two things to be clear. But generally speaking, people think that SoftBank is a bit undervalued as a combined entity, and there might be some value in breaking it up into smaller pieces. That is a financial transaction that an activist investor can come in and enact or enforce or kickstart. And I can see that one kind of shaking out. Uh, good luck with getting Masa Sun to, to do that, but you know maybe. But with Twitter, though, it feels a bit more amorphous to me and a bit more like uh, we need to improved general performance and you know maybe removing dorsey is the right move but you know who are you going to put him into but i like seeing elliot shake up tech yeah no absolutely and i think i you know in comparison to twitter where we don't know the rationale for for elliot for softbank we do uh you know as you argued and it's not just a bit undervalued right softbank is widely considered to be a massively undervalued stock for a variety of reasons there's a lot of financial complications on the balance sheet a very uh, opaque company. It owns a lot of assets, but it's not clear how those assets co-own each other. In in Korean and Japanese, it's known as a spider web because the web owns by, you know, each division actually cross owns other parts of the company. So it can be very challenging to actually figure out who owns what. And that's actually where Elliot lost out in Samsung. So about four or five years ago, Samsung wanted to merge two of its divisions in that spider web and Elliot opposed it, actually put up a serious amount of money. And it's one of the only times that one of these activist votes actually went all the way to the shareholders. 
Samsung notoriously was handing out free watermelons to individual Korean pensioners to get them to vote a certain way. And Elliot ended up losing. It was one of the only cases where they actually lost the proxy vote and they, they left. They actually walked away with their money, you know, at a significant loss. And so it'll be interesting to see at SoftBank, which has very similar governance problem. It has a, a, a not diverse board. It has an all-male board, very Japanese-focused. And obviously, there's a huge challenge of just understanding the, the, the balance sheet. So Elliot has identified $8.33 billion of investments that is on SoftBank's balance sheet that no one knows what they are, supposedly. SoftBank says it's Uber, but it's not Uber because Uber is actually elsewhere on the balance sheet or something along that line. So it's actually very unclear where all this money is, where it's going. And, and, and its argument is basically, look, if we knew what these were... The stock would be worth a lot more. We'd make our 10, 15%. We'd walk away. So in that case, it's not as adversarial. Mazasad has always also argued that the stock has always been undervalued. And so Elliot supposedly isn't working with Mazasad to sort of make the same argument. But it'll be interesting to see what's going forward. Well, they also called for share buybacks, right? They want they want SoftBank to use some capital to buy back some shares, to concentrate the ownership of the assets that we're talking about under fewer number of shares driving up their value. That's why buybacks are a good thing for shareholders, why they're called shareholder return. And Masa said, yeah, we'd love to do that when our finances allow, which I believe is a very polite way of saying, go F yourself. And then we get into the, and then we're going to get into the opposition research, right? So activists always use opposition research and maybe uh, Rajiv Mishra's uh, alleged K2 intelligence firm to use to work against other soft bank execs, making Elliot can pull those together and grab the same information. All right. Now let's, let's step back one step from the Twitter and soft bank investments to think about what this means for tech more broadly, because, you know, there are a number of companies out there that are underperforming or have made mistakes that could be theoretical targets for activist shareholders. And this brings us to dual class shares, because you might be thinking, listening to this, well, what about Facebook? Why don't, why doesn't someone buy a bunch of Facebook and enact changes there and demand more governments and, you know, governance, not governments, I can speak English. And uh, some, shake that up a little bit. So it's not all kind of the Mark Zuckerberg show. Well, at many companies, there's dual class shares that give certain people with certain shares a lot more votes. Facebook is one of those companies. And this is controversial inside of tech and the financial world kind of writ large, but it will impact which companies could come under this sort of pressure. And I wonder if Elliott Management's uh, decision here to go after Twitter, as it is, is actually going to reinforce uh, the view inside of tech that dual class is how to kind of fend off this sort of thing and, and push it back. It's interesting because Jack Dorsey actually still has dual class share ownership in Twitter. So actually, one of the interesting things is basically Elliot really has no ability to actually override Jack Dorsey. I mean, it's a, it's an embarrassment campaign more than it is any sort of tactical strategic campaign to buy shares. And that's one of the reasons why activism was always hard. Uh, in addition to the fact that it was growing, you have these dual class shares, which makes it almost impossible for activist investors to get any access to these companies. Now, the the problem is, is that they, they synchronize with each other, right? Like, you know, tech has added these dual class shares and all these what are known as poison pill provisions in order to prevent activists from getting involved in the first place, making activism harder so then the activists get harder in trying to compete with the tech companies to take over the boards. And so, you know, it creates a really tough process. It's one of the reasons why we see public IPOs so late in the cycle for a lot of these companies is that they're trying to avoid just these sorts of investors on the cap table. I'm fascinated to see what the response will be, but I do know that Twitter shares are up 7% today. And uh, that is good. Also, the markets are up, so it's hard to tell exactly what of that's from the news and what that's from the general market recovery after a really bad week. But investors are certainly not saying boo to this. And if I was Jack Dorsey and someone was coming after my job and the shares went up dramatically, you know, that's a signal that you might want to think about. I, I might even send uh, uh, Paul Singer, the founder of Elliott Management, a watermelon. 
I think he's just going to block him on Twitter and just delete his account. Like, I'm sorry. Elliot Management, gone. We should leave it there. Uh, we will be back on Friday morning with regular equity. Uh, but that is a little update about Elliot Management, what's going on with Twitter, what's going on with SoftBank, and how the public markets uh, impact how the private markets function. So, Danny, thank you as always. And we'll be back soon. See you soon.